The following message is brought to you by New Song Church and Pastor Joshua Blunt in Oklahoma City, Oklahoma. For more information on New Song, visit us online at newsongpeople.com. right now called You Ask For It, and what we're doing is we're answering questions that you, the people of New Song Church, have asked. And so last week, if you were here, we talked about, uh, are we living in the last days? And if you missed last week, uh, tough, I guess you're not going to know, right? (laughs) No, actually, you can go back and listen to our podcast and check that out. But today I want to answer what was the second most asked question. And we had a lot of questions that came in that were in reference to what's going on in the world as far as bad things. Why are bad things going on like they are? And what's God's role in those bad things? And if God is good, then why are these bad things happening? And, and, and so today, what I want to do is I want to kind of answer this question. Uh, and, and the question is this, is God good? Dot, 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 really? <laughs> like, is God really good? Now, if you're a church person like me, I grew up in church, uh, there was a statement that would be said from the pulpit, maybe in youth ministry or kids ministry or, or you know, in the main service or whatever, there'd be a statement that was said in it and it elicited a certain response. And I'm going to see how many of you are churchy people this morning, okay? So I'm going to make a statement and I'm expecting you to respond back to me with the, the, and some of you know where I'm going with this already, okay? So here it comes. God is good. Look at all you churchy people all the time. Okay, so is that true? And you can say yes, but let me, let me ask you something, because here's the thing. Here's where the rubber meets the road. It's easy to say that when things are good. But when you just found out that that baby you were carrying that you miscarried, it's a lot harder to respond with all the time at that moment. When you just lost your job, when you were up for that promotion, but you didn't get it, When you got that doctor's report that says it's terminal, it's a lot harder in that moment to respond to the statement, God is good with all the time, right? But so today I want to answer that question for you. And I'll just say this. I think this is a really great question for a couple of reasons. Number one is you understanding this and knowing the answer to this question is going to determine what God can do in your life. In fact, I wrote it down like this. I want to read it to you how I wrote it down. Your revelation of God's goodness is going to play big in God's ability to reveal his goodness in your life. I'll say that again. If you're taking notes, try to jot this down. Your revelation of God's goodness is going to play big in God's ability to reveal his goodness in your life. If you don't understand the goodness of God, you're going to have a hard time believing that he can be good in those bad times, and that's going to, that's going to hurt you from being able to experience God turning those things around for you. So, so let's ask the question, is God good? Is he really good? Is he good all the time? Well, I want to answer the question and then I want to kind of unpack it for you today. So is God good? Yes, he is. Is he good all the time? Yes, he is. In fact, if you're taking notes, your first blank in your new song notes this morning, God is good. God is good. Say it with me. God is good. And, and I want you to really come to believe that today. That God is really good. Now, if you have your Bible, go to Romans chapter 8. In Romans chapter 8, we're going to kind of spend a lot of time in this chapter today. At the end of the chapter, 
really, this whole chapter is, is Paul kind of outlining for us this idea of the goodness of God and God's plan for our life and our role in this plan. It's one of my favorite chapters. I encourage you to read it. Um, but at the end of it, he, he puts something out there that I think is very important. And I think this is something I want to kind of keep coming back to today as we, as we look at this. Romans 8, verse 38, he says this. He says, for I am convinced. In another translation, he says, I am fully persuaded. In another translation, he says, I am certain. Okay, so what is it that Paul is fully convinced of? What is he fully persuaded? What is he certain of? Here it is, that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present, that's what you may be dealing with right now, nor the future, the things you may deal with in the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Paul says that there's nothing that can separate you from the love of God. And, and what I pray today is that through this message that you would come to an understanding that would be at the core of your beliefs so that when bad things come against you and begin to fight you at the core of who you are, you would be living from this place that says, no, God loves me and God is good and God is for me. That you would not just think that or think that's a cool churchy idea, but that you would be fully persuaded of, to it that you would completely buy into it so that nothing can separate you from what God really does want to do in your life. Okay, so, so go back with me. Romans 8, we're just at verse 38. Go back of 10, 10 verses to verse 28. And, and we have a verse here that you probably heard before, Romans 8, 28. And we know that in all things, everybody say all things. All, things. all means all. In all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. Now, this is one of those verses that people will quote. Even people who aren't even really Christians, they'll know this verse. And you may have heard somebody say something along these lines before. Something bad maybe is happening to you. Maybe something bad is going on in their life. And they'll make a statement kind of like this. Like, well, you know, I'm, I'm dealing with this problem right now, or I've got this sickness on me right now, but this, you know, I believe God's just, God's doing this to me right now because he's got something he wants to work out in me. And so God is maybe he's punishing me a little bit. He's bringing this on me because he, he's working something out in me that needs to be worked out in me. I want you to understand something. That is not the God I serve. And that is not the God of the Bible. It's not. Now, understand this. God will work in whatever bad situation you may be facing. But does God cause the bad situation to come upon you so that he can work something out in you? No, he does not. In fact, what happens here is really this verse is not explaining why bad things are happening. It's explaining what's available to you when bad things are happening. You, you follow me? It's not telling you, hey, when bad things are happening, it's because God's doing this to you and he's working. No, no, no. It's saying this is available. When bad things come against you, this is what God can do through it if you will work with him. But understand this. You have a part to play in this because this promise, and it's an incredible promise, but it's a conditional promise. Look back at the verse with me, Romans 8, 28. In fact, that's in your notes this morning. God working for our good is conditional. Romans 8, 28. In all things, God works for the good. Now, here's the conditions. First of all, it's a promise for those who love him. We'll talk more about that at the end of the message. Who have been, here's the second condition, called according to his purpose. So this promise is available that God can and will work together for your good 
in the bad situations, whatever you're dealing with, but it's conditional upon you doing things God's way and positioning yourself to receive it from him. You guys tracking with me? So notice this though. The verse doesn't say, some people have interpreted it kind of like this. All things are from God and all things are good. But that's not what it says. Listen, there are things that, there are some of you that are facing some stuff in here and I want you to know it is not good. And it is not God. You hear me? We think sometimes, because see, God's God, right? And he's, we, we maybe heard somebody say, God is in control. And yes, God is ultimately in control, yes. But God does not control every little thing that's taking place in this world. Because if he did, you would be a puppet <laughs> or a robot. But you have been given a free will. And you can exercise that free will. And sometimes because you exercise that free will, there are things that take place in our life. But it doesn't mean it's God. And it ain't good. And so we, we got to buy that. We got to believe that. There, there, some of these things we're experiencing, they're not from God and they're not good. And we don't need to just receive them as being such. But you will understand, you will face some stuff that's sometimes not good. Even Christians. In fact, Jesus said this in John 16, He said, in this world, you will have trouble. Notice he doesn't say, in this world, it's a possibility. No, he says, you will have trouble. Thanks, Jesus, right? But we will, because we, and, and I'll show you today why that's the case, but we, you will have trouble. But notice what he says next, but take heart, because I have overcome the world. In this world, you're going to face some stuff. You're going to face bad stuff, but it doesn't mean that that bad stuff is from God. It doesn't mean that that's bad stuff. You have to call it good, because it's not. Church, there's stuff coming against you that you need to stand in faith against, not just not just receive, not just take on. There's things that, that are warring against you that you've got to fight against. We've got to put up a fight against this stuff. And, and you're not going to fight something that you believe God's doing to you. You're going to have a hard time with that. And I think this. I think sometimes because God is true to his word and he will take bad things that happen in our life and he'll work them together for our good. I think if we're not careful, sometimes we'll actually, when it's over, we'll look back and say, well, that must have been God doing that to me. And, and we kind of, it's like we punish God for taking care of us and helping us. But I want you to see today, God is, is a good God, and he'll take those bad situations, and he'll turn them around for good, but it doesn't mean that God is behind them. He's not. You know, there, there's people that'll tell you, I'm, and, and this is the, theological churches that believe this kind of stuff, that God will cause you to be sick, to teach you a lesson. He'll put sickness on you. He'll put cancer on you. There's people that believe God will kill you. If it'll help reach somebody else. That, that if God looks at your life and he realizes that killing you would, would help somebody else to then be turned to the things of God, then he'll kill you to reach that other person so they can go to heaven. Because you're already going. He might as well take you out, right? Let me just tell you, that is a lie from the pit of hell. That is not God. That is not how God rolls. In fact, let's talk about sickness for a minute because a lot of questions came in about, about sickness and why sickness takes place and why we may be dealing with some of the stuff that we're dealing with. And what I want to show you this morning is that when you look at Scripture and you begin to study Scripture and look at sickness in Scripture, every time that you read about sickness, most of the time you're going to find words around it that are related to a curse, to it not being good, to it not being a blessing, and to it not being a teaching tool. In fact, let me show you a few verses. This is really interesting. If you have your Bible, go to Luke chapter 13. If you don't, you can read along with me up here. But in Luke chapter 13, we have this, this crippled woman that Jesus has just healed. So he's healed her. She was crippled. Now she's healed. 
And the Pharisees are mad about it because he did this on the Sabbath. (laughs) And they're not concerned about people. They don't care about people. What they're concerned about is rules. And so they're kind of mad and upset about this. And Jesus is kind of addressing this behavior. But I want you to notice the words he uses when he refers to the sickness that she was dealing with. Luke 13, verse 16, should not this woman, a daughter of Abraham, look at this, whom Satan has kept bound. Notice that word bound. For 18 long years, be set free on the Sabbath day from what bound her. Now, here's my question to you. That word bound, that idea of bondage, that idea of having a bond on you, is that a descriptive word of the work of God that we see in Scripture? No, it is not. God is not a God who puts bondage on us. He is a God who liberates us, right? Who sets us free, who breaks chains. That's what the Bible talks about. So we see here that this is not, this sickness was not from God that's on her. Look at this. This is Matthew chapter 8. If you know this story, Jesus heals a centurion's servant. But this is right before he heals the centurion's servant. The centurion is is telling him the situation. Verse 6, and saying, Lord, my servant lieth at home sick of the palsy, grievously tormented. That word grievously tormented means he's, he's, he's dealing with extreme suffering. Extreme suffering. And Jesus said unto him, well... It looks like God is working something out in his life. Is that what Jesus said? Uh Uh-uh, it's not. He says, I will come and heal him. And he does. In fact, he doesn't even go. The centurion has faith that says, if you just say the word, he'll be healed. And so Jesus just says the word and he's healed. He heals him. But again, I want you to notice something. The words are grievously tormented. Extreme torture or punishment. Is that the nature? Is that a descriptive word of the work of God in people's life or what we see God doing throughout the the pages of scripture? The answer is no, it's not. Acts 10 verse 38, we have Peter describing the character and the nature of of Jesus. He's kind of giving like a Cliff Notes version of what Jesus was all about. He says this in verse 38, he said, God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power and he went about doing good. God is good, right? Jesus went about doing good. Jesus said, I came only to do the work of my father. He said, I only do what my father tells me to do. And what do we see in Jesus? He never makes anybody sick. I never read a verse where Jesus says, let you have leprosy. No, no, no. (laughs) Jesus never kills anybody. He lays down his own life, but he never kills anybody else. All I see is Jesus healing every person he comes in contact with that the Bible says is sick. I see Jesus raising people from the dead, breaking, cha- setting people free from demonic influence. That's the work of Jesus. He went about doing good because that's the will of God. God is good. He went about doing good. Now look at this. And healing all who were oppressed by the devil. Notice that word again, oppressed, because it says God is with him. Now once again, let me ask you, is that word oppressed? Is the word oppression? Is that a descriptive word of the work of God? No, it's not. And what I want you to see this morning is sometimes we give credit to to God for things that the devil is at work doing. But but that's not how God rolls. That's not what God does. In fact, in, in the Bible, there's nowhere that you see God using sickness as a teaching tool to teach his people. Now you say, well, Pastor Josh, what about what about John chapter nine? Well, I'm glad you asked about John chapter nine. Let's look at John chapter nine together. Because this is one that throws a lot of people off, but I want to show it to you. John chapter 9, verse 1 says this. As he went along, now let's talk about Jesus. 
he saw a man that was blind from birth. His disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? So his disciples are saying, whose fault is it that this is going on? Like, was it his parents' fault? Was it his fault? Neither this man nor his parents sinned, said Jesus, but this happened so that the works of God might be displayed in him. Whoa. Come back to that. Verse 4, as long as it is day, we must do the works of him who sent me. Night is coming when no one can work. Okay, so we read this verse, and if we're not careful, you can kind of read this verse, and it almost sounds like Jesus is saying, uh, God caused this young man to be born blind so that later on in his life, he could be healed and God would get the glory for that healing. But that's really not what it says. See, here's something you have to understand about scripture. I'm going to teach you a little something about studying the Bible. You guys down for that? If you're reading the Bible and you come across a scripture or a verse and you don't quite understand it and it seems to go against the overall overarching idea of what the Bible is all about. So, so if you read this verse, if you're not careful, it's almost like we have to throw out all the verses where God talks about sickness being a curse and that God doesn't do those kind of things. That the devil comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but maybe sometimes in certain occasions God will do that too. That's a big leap right there, my friends. We have to throw those verses out. We have to throw out all the verses that talk about when God healed people. And we, we have to, before we do all that, we really need to kind of look at this a little bit deeper and make sure we're understanding it the right way. And so that's what we do. And when we do this, here's what you're going to discover. Uh, that translation I just read to you was from the NIV translation of the Bible, which is what's called a functional equivalency. Now, let me explain this to you. Uh, there's different translations of the Bible. And what they did was they, they took the original Greek, in this case Greek, New Testament, and they translated it. And there's different ways that different translators would translate that, that, those verses. Sometimes they would take it and they would do it word for word. Uh, sometimes they would do it thought for thought. This NIV is a thought for thought functional equivalency, meaning that they would take an entire section and they would try to put it into more modern terms so that we could understand it. The problem is sometimes when that happens, there's little things that get added or subtracted that can cause us to miss the overall heart of what God was originally saying. So if we go back and we read it, and this is why we say this here at New Song Church, we want you to have a Bible. We want you to have a couple of different Bibles. We want you to study the Bible. We want you to look at different translations of the Bible. You need to dig into this stuff, not just, you know, take it for what it's worth sometimes just at a, or what, don't even take it for what I say. Dig in, learn what the word of God says yourself. Be a student of God's word. But if you look at it from a formal equivalency and go back to the original Greek, you're going to see that there were things that were added and even some things that were subtracted that, that need to go back. So let me show you this to you, okay? So put that verse back up there, guys. This is that NIV that I just read, but I've, I've put it up here where you guys can see it with things taken out. So go ahead and put it up there, Keith. Okay, so neither this man nor his parents sinned, said Jesus, but this happened so. That was not originally there. And that's a big statement, this happens so? That's not there. That the works of God might be displayed in him, and actually that period is not there either. As long as it is day, we, that was not there. I must do the work of him who sent me. Night is coming when no one can work. And you're saying, Josh, that's about as clear as mud. Okay, let me show it to you again, all right? Put it up there with all that stuff out. This is the New King James Version of that verse. Neither this man nor his parents sinned, but that the work of God may be displayed in him. That period actually isn't there. I must do the work of him who sent me. Night is coming when no one can work. Okay, so let me tell you what Jesus said. His disciples come to him and they said, whose fault is this? And Jesus just completely dismisses that idea. It's not his parents' fault. 
It's not his fault. But guys, I need to heal this guy because night is coming. You know what happens at night out in this culture? Everybody goes home. I want to heal this guy now with all of these people here before they start going home because I want God to get the glory for what I'm about to do in his life. Jesus is not saying this happens so that every, no, 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 it's, that's not it. God's not saying I did this. I didn't cause this. God doesn't do those kind of things. God's a good God. Now, again, I'm not saying that God won't take some of the bad things that you're experiencing and work them for your good and be in them with you to help you. What I'm saying is God doesn't cause us to experience those things. So why do we experience those things? I want to give you three reasons why we experience bad things in this world. Number one is the world is broke. Everybody say broke. We live in a broken world. Sin broke the world. When Adam and Eve sinned, understand, it wasn't just that there was a separation that took place between them and God relationally. The world was literally broken. There were no tornadoes before the fall of man. There were no tsunamis before the fall of man. There were no earthquakes before the fall. That stuff did not exist. That stuff that we now say, this is an act of God. No, 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 it's not an act of God. It's an act of Adam. It's an act of sin. Because sin came into this world, this world is is broken now. In fact, we see God talking to Adam just a few verses after this in Genesis chapter three, after the fall of man takes place. And he tells him, hey, when you work the land now, it's gonna be by the sweat of your brow. Meaning you're gonna have to work for it. What used to come easy, what used to be natural is now gonna be work. Why? Because the world is broken, my friends. We live in a broken world. Romans eight, go back to verse 20. It says says this, it says, against its will. So this is not the will of what this world is experiencing, in, against its will, all creation was subjected to God's curse. All creation, plants, animals, trees, the earth itself was subjected to the curse because of the sin of Adam and Eve. But with eager hope, the creation looks forward to the day when it will join God's children in glorious freedom from death and decay. Listen, we ain't the only ones looking forward to the return of Jesus Christ. The world is looking forward to the return of Jesus Christ because the world is in a state of chaos and death and decay. And because we live in this world, sometimes that rubs off on us a little bit and we get some of that on us. Okay, so that's one of the reasons why we experience bad stuff in this world. Here's the second reason why. Because people are not perfect. Turn the person beside you and say, you ain't perfect. First service had a hard time saying that. There was a must, much, must have been more married couples in that service. But we're, we're not perfect. We, we make mistakes. And we live in a world where God has given us a free will. And sometimes people will exercise their free will to do things that are against the will of God. God doesn't create bombs. God doesn't put chemicals into water that are causing birth defects and stillbirths. Even some of the natural disasters that we experience in this world, you know, like you say, I don't understand how God could allow that mudslide to take place that killed all those people. I think God's up in heaven going, hey, I put trees on that hill to hold all that dirt in place. You cut down all the trees. Like, that wasn't me. (laughs) Right? Like, I'm not a tree hugger, but... Cause and effect, people. Like, if you were here last week, I said that every day 41,000 people die of starvation. Well, I understand how a loving God could allow that many people to die every day. That just doesn't make any sense to me. Well, study after study has proven that there is enough food on this planet to take care of everybody. The problem is, here's the problem, 20% of the population is eating 80% of the food. And that's us, Americans. 
I think God sometimes is looking at us going, hey, if you guys would just share a little bit, you know, take a step away from the buffet line, be a little nice and make sure other people get some of this, it it would be good. See, we look at this stuff and and we have a tendency to just kind of go, this isn't fair. This, God can't be God. And if God's God and he's in control, and this can't be, because this isn't fair. Well, listen, before you start getting into fair, let's talk about fair for a little bit. In fact, people will say a statement like this, why do bad things happen to good people? Well, what, what is your definition of a good person? Because I'll say this, as a Christian, when you make Jesus the Lord of your life, You receive a new spirit. The Bible says you become born again and you receive a brand new spirit. That part of you that was once dead is now alive in Christ Jesus. And the Bible says that you are now the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. So one third of you has been made good, but there are two thirds of you that is still bad. That's your flesh, your mind, your will, and your emotions. And and that part of you ain't, ain't all fixed. And that's why sometimes we do some bad stuff. How many of you, since you got saved, you've sinned before? couple of us, yeah. If you don't have your hand up, you're sinning right now. <laughs> we all sin. We all fall short of the glory of God, even after we're saved. Like, so, so understand this. Like, where, where do we say, like, this is good, and this person's good, and this person's bad? Because listen, the measuring stick is not how you compare to Hitler. The, me- the measuring stick is how you compare to the only good person who ever walked the face of this earth, which is Jesus Christ, who, by the way... We nailed to a cross, but because we nailed him to a cross, because he was willing to lay down his life on a cross and lay down his goodness, we who have nothing but badness and sin can substitute our badness for his goodness. Because listen, God ain't fair. And that's good news. Because fair means we go to hell. Because the wages of sin is death, is what the Bible says. That's what we deserve. Wages are not something that you're just given. Wages are something you earn. We earned death through sin. But Jesus came, and he didn't play fair. He went to a cross when he was perfect and without sin. That wasn't fair. But because he didn't play fair, we don't have to play fair either. We can be made alive in Christ Jesus. We can substitute our bad for God's good. That's good news. That's gospel. God is good. God is good. But sometimes we experience bad stuff because there's bad people in this earth and they have a free will and they're greedy and they're, they're living by their own ways and they're causing sometimes us to experience some bad stuff. Here's the third reason why we experience bad things in this world is because the devil is real. The devil is real. Now, I'm not going to spend a bunch of time on the devil this morning If you want to learn more about your position as a Christian and how you can defend yourself against the attacks of the devil, we did a series uh, not too long ago called Battles. The first message of that, I clearly explain how you can overcome the enemy's attacks against you. But I do want you to know this morning, there is a devil. He really is real. He hates you. The Bible says he wants to kill, steal, and destroy you. This is really simple. If something in your life is stealing from you, stealing your peace, stealing your health, if it's killing you, if it's driving you into an early grave, if it's killing you emotionally, if it's destroying what you see is God's plan for your life, it ain't God. Let's quit giving credit to, the, to God for the work of the devil. God is good. And there's demonic forces at work. Listen, there's things like Child molestation and 
sex trafficking and racism that are from the pit of hell. These are not man-made ideas. These are demonic-driven ideas from the enemy. There's a real devil, and there's real bad stuff that he's trying to do in your life. And listen, because we live in a fallen world, sometimes this stuff gets on us. Sometimes he'll sneak one through. But the good news is God is good. And God wants to take whatever situation you may find yourself in, and he wants to work it together for your good, but it's conditional. So what are the conditions? Let's talk about that real quick. There's two conditions to seeing, seeing God work together in all things for your good and for the good of other people around you. Here's the two conditions. Number one is we got to obey God. You got to obey God. Look at Romans 8, 28 again with me. It says, we know that in all things, everybody say all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. This promise is for those who love him, who love God. How do we love God? You love God by obeying God. John 14, 15, Jesus said this, if you love me, you will obey my commandments. A few verses later, verse 23, Jesus said again, anyone who loves me, they will obey me. 1 John 5, verse 3, we show our love for God. How do we do it? How do we display our love for God? By obeying his commandments. And they are not hard to follow. When you obey God, you are loving God. When you choose to do things God's way, you're choosing to lay down your flesh, lay down yourself and say, God, I love you enough. I'm going to do things your way. When you live that kind of lifestyle in obedience to the word of God and obedience to God's plan for your life, you position yourself so that God can take whatever circumstance you may de- be dealing with, be it good, bad, ugly, indifferent. He can take it and he can work it together for your good. We got to obey God. Here's number two. You got to glorify God. If you're going to see God work all things together for your good, you have to have a you have to live a lifestyle that is about bringing glory to God. Look back at Romans 8:28. We know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. Notice it talks about people living according to the purpose of God. When you're living according to the purpose of God, God can make all things work together for your good. So how do we live according to the purpose of God? Well, the overall big overarching purpose that every one of us in here as Christians has for our life is to bring glory to God. That's what God's called us to do. When you live out your purpose, your life glorifies God. Look at this, Isaiah 43, verse seven. This is God talking. He said, bring all the people who are mine to me. So he's talking, about his, he's talking about Christians. He's talking about his people. He said, whom I made, now look at this, for my glory. God made us for his glory, whom I formed and I made. 1 Corinthians 10, 31 says, so whether you eat or drink, whatever you do. Everybody say, whatever. whatever. Do it all. All means all. Do it all for the glory of God. The big purpose of your life is that people would look at your life and it would bring glory to God, that they would be able to see God and how you're living your life. That means that in your marriage, in your relationships, and how you conduct yourself in business and how you students and how you conduct yourself in school, that people would look at you and they would say, that person is with Jesus. They're for God. They're glorifying God. Your life should scream praises to God and how you live it. And when you live that way, God can work all things, even the bad things. He can work them together for your good. Is God really good? The answer is yes, he really is. And is God good all the time? The answer is yes. And church, I, I, I want you to be convinced of this. I really do. I want, I want this to be sealed inside of you. You know it. 
so that when those bad things come, you know where to go. I said at the beginning of the message, your revelation of God's goodness is going to play big in God's ability to reveal his goodness in your life. Here's why that's true. Because if you have a real revelation of God's love and his goodness for you, when bad things come against you, instead of turning from God, you'll run to God. See, the enemy wants you to run away from God. He wants you to blame God. He wants you, but, but if you really have a revelation of the goodness of God, even when those bad things come, you're going to run to God. And in, and in God, you're going to find the help you need. But understand, church, it is in your very nature, this fallen nature that we're all born into this world in, it's in your very nature that when bad things come against you, you do two things. Number one is you hide. And number two is you blame. Go to Genesis chapter 3, if you've got your Bible. Genesis chapter 3. God showed me this this week, and it was so awesome. I believe God's going to set some people free this morning. Genesis chapter 3, if you know the story, Adam and Eve are placed in this garden, and God puts them in this garden with all these incredible yes options in front of them, all these amazing things that they can do, and one no option. And you say, well, Pastor Josh, I don't understand why there was a even a no option. Like, why, why did God even do that? That just seems like he was setting them up for failure. Well, understand this. In order for people to be made in the image of God and have a free will and to be able to truly love God, there had to be another option. Another option that, they, that was a real option that they would have to choose not to pick. Because if it doesn't exist, then there's no real option. Of course, they're just going to live this kind of robotic life. There has to be another option. And listen, church, as Christians, every one of us has the same thing in front of us. There is a no option and there is a yes option. And we have to choose to love God and say, I'm going to say no to this option and yes to God. And that means we love him. That's how we love him. We have to choose him. And so God puts Adam and Eve in this place. And what's amazing, and this is God. I want you to see God in this. There's thousands of yes options and one no option. And with the no option, he makes it very clear. Don't do that option. Don't do that. If you eat that one, you're going to die. There's going to be physical death that takes place. But you guys know the story. Adam and Eve pick the no option. And as soon as they do, sin enters the world. And there is a new fallen sinful nature that is now on Adam and Eve. Now, this is what God showed me this week that I thought was so fascinating. We see in Adam and Eve and how they react to God moving forward, the nature of sin and what it can do in our life. Now, now here's what's fascinating. God comes down to see them. Realize this, guys. All they've ever known of God is his goodness. I mean, God has never done anything bad to them. Understand this. At this point in Scripture, when God shows up, they haven't even experienced anything bad. They have a new nature, but it doesn't say in scripture like after Adam sinned, he stubbed his toe or a lion attacked him. They haven't even experienced bad yet. All, all they know is their nature is different. And so now God shows up and, and I want you to see what they do. Genesis 3 verse 8. They heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day, which earlier in scripture is how they would, they would hang out with God. It was their relationship with him. It was something that they loved. But look at what happens. And the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. They, what did they do? They, they hide. Which, by the way, sin makes you stupid because we see them hiding in the bushes from Almighty God, which is kind of... <laughs> but, but notice that 
God's, God hasn't done, God's never done anything to them but good stuff. And now because of this new nature that they have, they're hiding from him. I don't even know that they really know what they're hiding from, but they're hiding from him. And I want you to know there, there is a nature in you that is bent in that direction, that if you had never experienced a bad day in your life, there was something because of this sinful nature there's something in you that tends to pull away and hide from God. Now, you throw in now that bad things happen to us, and you can see how people living by that nature are going to be afraid and blaming God, which is what they do next. The next thing that they do is they, they blame. And, and what's interesting is we've, maybe you've heard this before, and maybe you've heard somebody say that Adam blames Eve. Well, really, he doesn't blame Eve. I want you to see who he blames here. Then the man said... This is, God ta- this is Adam talking to God. He says, the woman that you gave to be with me, she gave me from the tree and I ate. He said, God, this is your fault. You gave me this woman and she gave me the fruit. This is really on you. It's a gutsy move. And then God turns to Eve and what does she do? She blames. And I want you to know it's a part of our fallen nature that when things come against us, we look to blame who can I blame for this? Who did this to me? Maybe I, maybe I blame myself. Maybe you're in here tonight, tonight, today and you're blaming yourself for some stuff that you've dealt with. Maybe you're blaming somebody else. It's their fault that I'm this way. It's their fault that I'm like, God, it's your fault. You did this to me. You put me in that home. I understand this morning, church, there's some of you that have faced some tough stuff. But I want you to know there is a good God who really does love you. And you maybe have faced some stuff in this world, but it wasn't God. It really wasn't. God loves you. And he didn't create you to have to deal with that junk. But there's, it's a broken world. People have a free will. They do bad stuff. The devil hates you. But God loves you. And what I love about God is we see here in the very beginning, right after all this takes place, and now the wages of sin are at work in the world, right off the bat, we see the plan of redemption. And Jesus, or God addresses Satan and he says, listen, I know what you did here, but in this woman, there is coming. There's a seed in her that is going to one day, you're going to bruise his heel, which is a picture of the cross but he is going to crush your head. And what Jesus did in the cross, listen church, he crushed the head of sin. He crushed the curse. You don't have to live according to the curse. And God wants to work in you, but, but my friends, understand this. If you don't buy into, if you're not certain and convinced of the goodness of God, then when, God, when, when you're looking to turn to him, you're going to have a hard time turning to him. If you're afraid of him. If you think he did this to you, that's why you have to be fully convinced. Here's what you need to be fully convinced of. James 4, verse 8. If you draw near to God, he will draw near to you. If you're dealing with pain this morning, hurt, questions, if you draw near to God, he'll draw near to you. Church, I pray that you would become fully convinced of this. I'm grateful that I grew up in a home where I was taught from an early age that God is good and only good. 
If you've been at New Song, you've heard us share the story before of when we went into the, the hospital to find out if we were going to have a little boy or a little girl. And it was a day that we were anticipating. I couldn't wait to share the post on Facebook, letting everybody know that it was going to be a little boy or a little girl. And we found out that day that the baby was, was gone. The baby had died. And I had to write a different... I had to write a different post that day. And God reminded me of this this morning. I said in that post, I said, we found out today that the baby we were carrying, we lost. But I remember writing in it, but I understand that God is good and only good. And I don't understand why that happened. I still don't, church. I don't fully understand it. I don't think I will this side of heaven but I don't have to because I do know this, God is good. And because I knew that, because that was sealed in my heart, instead of looking at God and saying, God, how could you steal my child from me? I ran to the Lord and in him I found comfort and hope and peace. And I'm telling you, he, he healed our hearts so quickly and he turned it around and it became a witness. And I, I can't get into all of it, but, it, but through it, my wife, Sarah, was able to be used to minister to, to thousands of women who have miscarried babies. God didn't do it, but he worked through it when we ran to him to make it work out for our good and for the good of others. God is good, church. God is good. All the time. My hope for you is that in the bad times, you can grit your teeth like I did that day and say, God is good. I may not feel it right now, but God is good. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes with me this morning, church? What is the Holy Spirit saying to you this morning in this message? I hope he's saying this to you. I'm good, <laughs> and I'm for you, and I love you, and I have a plan for you. Whether I don't know where you find yourself in here today. I don't know what you may be dealing with, but man, I serve a good God, and he wants to display his goodness in your life. And whatever you may be dealing with, he can turn it around. And I felt this strongly this morning, and I think it's true again for this service. There's some of you in here, and, and you have blamed God for things that he had nothing to do with. And I believe that you need to take a moment, and you need to repent. And you, if you know that, you know if that's you. And you don't have to, it doesn't have to be any big, but just there to yourself, just you and God, just say, Lord, I'm sorry. I see today, this, that wasn't you. You weren't in that. I, I, I'm sorry, I, I repent. And I believe in doing so, you're, you're positioning yourself to see the goodness of God in the days ahead. To see him work that out for your good. In fact, uh, I'm gonna invite our altar ministry team to come forward at this time. If you're here today and you have a need of prayer, and maybe you're here today and you're experiencing some bad, uh, I believe that God wants to display his goodness to you starting right now. And so these guys are going to be down here and they'd love to pray with you. If you're, if you're dealing with anything today that you would say, it's not good, it's not God. And I want to encourage you, come down and pray with these guys. They'd love to join their faith with yours. And I believe that God wants to break, that word breakthrough that seems to be a part of this church service. I believe there's some breakthrough coming. Some of you are going to experience it now. Some of you are going to experience it tonight. But God is good. All the time he's good, 
And he wants to be good to you right now. So if that's you, if you have a need of prayer for anything, be it big, be it small. If it matters to you, it matters to God. So don't leave today with that burden. Make sure you come down and receive prayer. We're going to go back into a song. And during this song, at any time, you can come down. And understand this. If you're new to this kind of stuff at church, uh, we understand that not every church does this. But we do it because we believe in what the New Testament church is supposed to be laying hands on people. And it doesn't mean that you're like the worst of the worst. Like if you come down, it's not like we're all going, oh, they went down. No, no, no. In fact, we're encouraged that you come down. We all need prayer. I need prayer. We all need prayer. So if you need prayer this morning, you're in good company. Don't be afraid to come down and receive prayer this morning. Would you stand with me? Lord Jesus, we love you. Thank you for being so good. Thank you for laying down your life for laying down your good, perfect life so that we could substitute our ugly, bad life for your goodness. God, you are an unfair God and we are grateful for it. Thank you, Lord, for all that you've done for us. We give you praise and glory and honor. Thank you for what you're doing in the hearts and lives of people in this church. I pray, Lord, that we would be a people who are fully convinced of the goodness of God. And because of that, Lord, we are people walking in obedience to what your word has to say, loving you and glorifying God in everything that we do. Lord, we give you praise and glory and honor in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to this week's message from New Song Church. If you have a prayer need or would like more information about New Song, you can email info at newsongpeople.com. If you would like to partner with New Song through giving, go to www.newsongpeople.com forward slash give. And if you want to stay connected to New Song, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter by searching for New Song People.